Welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series created specifically for tourism operators. Talking Tourism, the expert series, is the ultimate resource for business owners who want to lift their skills to the next level. If you want to learn how to be a better tourism operator, listen on. Welcome to Talking Tourism. I'm Rachel Williams, your host for this podcast today, which is, of course, part of the podcast series for Tasmania's tourism sector and is proudly brought to you by the Tourism Industry Council Tasmania, which is the peak body for all things tourism in this wonderful island state of Tasmania. Today, I'm joined by Nick Haddo, who is the chairman of Fran Tasmania. A pretty big responsibility you have there, Nick. Welcome. Thank you very much, Rachel. Yep. It is absolutely a very big responsibility, but a lot of fun as well. Now, to become the chairman of Brand Tasmania, what does one need to do? Obviously, you've got such a remarkable story from a cheese-making perspective. Yeah, well, apparently all you need to do is know how to make cheese, pretty much. But look, it's something, you know, place branding is something that's been of great interest of mine for, I don't know, five, six, seven years. Four or five years ago, I did a Churchill Fellowship looking at... um, place branding, particularly in small island economies around the world, and that really kicked it off for me. Um, I had a previous role on the Brand Tasmania Council, which is the iteration that existed before Brand Tasmania was made a statutory authority at the beginning of last year. So it's been an interest of mine and and sort of an active pursuit for quite some time, and I was absolutely honoured to be asked to, to be the inaugural chair of Brand Tasmania, and I'm really, really proud of the work that we're doing. Now, I'm looking at you and I know that you're not one to rest on your laurels, but obviously the situation with COVID has really shone a light on how amazing Tasmania is as an island state that is safe and secure and and well-loved and and the amount of people wanting to relocate here has been phenomenal. Has your job been made a little bit easier by COVID? It's been made a little bit different, certainly by COVID. There, you know, there are a lot of challenges around, um, you know, what is the role of a place branding organisation in the middle of a global pandemic. But you're right, COVID presents some incredible opportunities for Tasmania to emerge from the problems that are associated with with coronavirus. Even stronger, even even more Tasmanian than we went out, came into it. And you're not from here, so why do you love this place so much? No, I'm not from here. Do we can't call you a local yet? Or when can we? Oh, well, I don't know. I don't know when can you. I've had two kids here. Well, they're certainly Tasmanian. They're local, yeah. yes. Uh, no, I grew, up, I grew up in Adelaide, but um, that was a long time ago. I've you know, been very, very lucky to travel and work in many, many excellent places around the world. And I've always had a slight bent towards living and working on islands. And so when an opportunity came up to work at in Tasmania. My first job was actually at Pyangana Dairy Company. That's what brought me here originally up in the northeast. And we've stayed since, you know, we've been here for 20 years now. And was it an instant falling in love with the place? Yes and no. Um, the job that I had at Pyangana was, you know, it was an absolute privilege. I mean, that is a, that's a cheese that's been made in that location for well over a hundred years. And that's not a sentence that you get to say very often in Australia. So to be the custodian of that cheese for a short while was an absolute privilege. It taught me so much. But to be honest, 20 years ago, you know, living in the Valley of Pyangana was a tough gig. We'd we'd come actually from living in Japan in our very sort of privileged expatriate lifestyle and, and relocate the relocation was, it was a tough landing for sure. 
And thinking back now from my memory of that time as well, mm. that local area was extremely impacted by forestry situation and it really didn't have a sense of who it was as a, a northeast location and was really struggling for confidence, wasn't it? You look at it now though. I mean, look what Derby and St Helens has done uh, in the last 10 or 15 years. It is such a vibrant, renewed community and it is, um, you know, to, to watch that happen is just yeah, it is. And of course, uh, back in 2003, it was, you decided to move to an island on the island in, in Bruni Island. Yep. And you haven't really looked back since then, have you? Haven't had time. <laughs> <laughs> really? No. Um, we, you, you, to be honest, we, we'd we actually decided that we loved Tasmania and we, we considered starting a business here, but maybe not at that time. So we were, we were actually going to head back to Japan to maybe do a bit more work and, and earn a bit more money, um, travel a bit more. But we before we left, we thought, oh God, we better see some of Tasmania because we've been working so hard up at Pint Ghana all year. Hadn't really got out. One of the places we went to was sort of down the Dontracasto Channel. And oh my God, that, that was just so beautiful. And then crossing the channel and getting to Bruni Island, just such a stunning place. And Literally within sort of five minutes of driving off the ferry and and being on the island, we were we were rehashing our plans. You know that was that was an absolute leap of faith and an act of I don't know naivety or stupidity. I mean, who starts a, a specialty cheese business on an island off the south coast of Tasmania where there's no dairy farms? Back then, there were no tourists. It was so crazy. And can you pinpoint the realization of? when you thought it would actually make economic sense to do it? Um, or did you not worry about that until it actually started working? <laughs> no, I, I don't think I did really. I mean, it, it, it's so easy to look back at that time and think, oh, yeah, Bruni Island's worked out okay and Bruni Island Cheese Company's obviously been a very successful and and long business. There must have been some incredible foresight or strategic vision around that. There was none of that. You know, we just did it. Uh, we did it because we loved the place. It was a place that we chose to live, but having kind of bought there, we had to make a go of it. You know, we had to start a business. And we didn't have kids, we were young, but we'd thrown 100% of our money at doing this. So failure wasn't really an option for us. You, you know, you just work bloody hard to make it work and I haven't really stopped working bloody hard to make it work ever since. Well, it's certainly become a bit of an iconic uh, business for Tasmania and the agri-tourism industry. And I know that's one of your key passions. What is it about that sector that you're so passionate about when you can actually have a little bit of control over the process right from the, mm. and I hate the word paddock to play, but from that, the initiation right through to the end product. Yeah, it's weird. You know, for a very long time, I didn't even feel like I was part of the tourism industry. You know, I was in the tourism industry for about eight to 10 years before I even kind of realised that I was. Or, But to me, what it's about is connecting people the produce that we make. And that underpins all of the activities in our business. We don't really behave like a normal business at Bruni Island Cheese and, and Beer because a normal business in that sense would, they'd just really concentrate on making their products and then they would hand that over to the supply chain to distribute and sell those products on, the, on their behalf. And that didn't really stack up for me on, on a number of levels. So 
you know, the vast majority, it's like 95% of what we make is sold by us directly to the person who's going to eat it. You know, our supply chain is two links, basically, us and them. And tourism's a really big part of that. But we didn't go into tourism because we thought tourism was a good idea. We went into tourism to connect our products to the people that were eating them. And consequently, you know, we're now a very busy, as you say, tourist destination on Bruny Island. And you did mention the beer. I forgot about that. That's mm. been going on for a few years now. How's that progressing? It's really good. I'm so proud of the beer that we're making. <laughs> you know, as a cheesemaker, what motivates me is to make cheese that speaks very much of the place from which it comes. And I'm not a brewer by any stretch, but I'm very fascinated by the process and the relationship between cheese and beer. Um, and I met a fella called Evan Hunter, who's our was our first brewer, and together we created Bruny Island Beer Company. And the beers that we're making follow that same philosophy in that they very much speak of where they come from. And that makes perfect sense to me because, you know, in Tasmania we have such incredible access to just the highest quality brewing ingredients, you know, some of the best water on the planet, amazing hops, you know, that come from the Derwent Valley. You know, I think they've just picked their 128th hop season last year and, you know, incredible grain as well. So we get to make these truly Tasmanian beers and that, that really excites me. So tell me a little bit more about this 98% figure. That seems phenomenal that you can have that sort of traction to be able to sell that much product basically at your front door. How is that an achievable aim for any other business or what would you say is the catalyst for being that successful? What I would say is if we can do that from an island off the south coast of Tasmania, anybody can do that. And as a small producer, if you are not building a relationship, a long-term relationship with your consumers, you're dead because the world is heading in a very different direction, you know, dominated by big brands and big supermarkets. And the only way for you to authentically be able to convey your story, your message, your brand, is to be able to do that directly with the people who are wanting to support you. And we're, you know, I'm talking about artisan producers. We don't need to find an audience of a million people to support us, who love us, who are willing to back us. We need to find an audience of maybe 5,000, 10,000. And when you come to our cellar door, you have an experience there, but that's the, only the beginning of our relationship with you because those people then join our cheese club and that's our vehicle for having an ongoing relationship. And we've now got you know, 30,000 cheese club members all around Australia who we have an ongoing relationship with because they've come to Tasmania or they've come to one of our events that we've been at. Or conversely, they've joined the Cheese Club and because of that, then come to Tasmania and visit us on Bruny Island. Do you really think that that comment that you just made a moment ago about the world changing drastically and being even bigger scale, do you still think that rings true after COVID? Because my interpretation has been that people are really desperate for those more intimate mm -hmm. experiences that Tasmania can actually really deliver well. Absolutely. You are so right. COVID has reframed it. Um and what COVID has done, particularly in the last three or four months, because it's just been Tasmanians supporting Tasmanian food producers and farmers, 
we've started to build this incredible Tasmanian food culture, something that we didn't really have in any substance before. And that's a really exciting springboard from which we can go from here. And I know that the you know, Bruny Island beers of the world, there's a lot of Tasmanian producers of really top quality mm-hmm. beverages from your gins and whiskies through to your specialist beers. Have we reached critical mass in that? Oh, hell no. In fact- <laughs> We can all drink more. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> try harder. Um, in fact, what I would say is that there might even be a gap in the perception and the reality. So a lot of our visitors come here expecting to find a Bruni Island cheese or equivalent, you know, in every town or down every road that they go to. And the reality is very, very different. A lot of people come here expecting to be able to buy a crayfish off the wharf, but the reality is very, very different. And uh, so I, I think that it is absolutely right that we are pursuing actively an agritourism strategy But in parallel, we must also be pursuing an active agri-food policy, working out what are the challenges that are stopping people from entering and becoming artisan food producers and what are the challenges that uh, that exist that stop them from being successful because many, many start and not a lot are successful. Where do they fall down? Because there are so many amazing people in this state who take a punt Mm. on these amazing ideas and, you know, as you say, a lot of them do fail. Where do they fail to get – is it their branding or is it their budgeting? Where where does it fall down? Yeah, look, there are all of the normal challenges associated with small business. I genuinely believe that those challenges are – it's harder to start an artisan small business – particularly a food business in Tasmania than it is elsewhere. Access to capital is huge. And that's potentially something that the government or some of our local banks or financial institutions can play a role in. Having a a scheme where small food producers or small agritourism businesses can access small amounts of capital incrementally, often they don't need big $150,000, $200,000 grants. They need five grand or 10 grand to fix that thing or to put up some new signage or to paint the entrance or or whatever it is. And they can be done on low interest, low documentation, unsecured loans that might need to be paid back within three to five years, but, but they're small amounts. You wouldn't need a big bucket of money to start that, but that would be really helpful. One of the other great challenges that exists for the agri food sector is a lot of the regulations that exist within the agri-food sector exist for large manufacturers. There's no consideration to scale or or size of an operation. And the fact is a small-scale agri-food operator that sells locally, only makes a small amount of stuff, has incredible traceability and visibility of where his or her product ends up, and can therefore be fully accountable, the risk of that person is infinitesimal from a public health and safety point of view. That's assuming that, you know, there's what they're making is risky or unsafe in the beginning. But the reality is they're having to comply with regulations that are designed for massive industrial food production units. And it's onerous. It's irrelevant. It's hugely costly and takes so much time 
And so many small food businesses in Tasmania drop out because of that. Now, that's easy to fix, but there needs to be some political will and leadership around that. And there are some great examples of, of how that works. You know, and we need to prioritise that building of our food culture and do that first and see that regulatory framework through that lens. So what is Nick Haddo's agri-food future-proofing plan then? How do we <laughs> how do we make sure that there is enough capital behind the agri-food to enhance and increase the agri-tourism? Look, I think that government absolutely has a role to play. Community is already playing their role and, and the industry is playing their role in supporting it as much as possible and that's been shown and, and a light shone on that more in the last six months than ever before. The community has been amazingly supportive. So, you know, what role does the government have to play in this? There is no overarching body that represents and supports and informs and advocates on their behalf, the food agri-food sector in Tasmania, in the same way that, say, Wine Tasmania does or even the TICT does. There's no similar organisation for the food sector. That would be a start because I think that then you could empower that organisation with the responsibility for growing and building that agri-food sector so that as you concentrate on the agri-tourism side of things, you're shoring up the supply to make sure that there is a constantly new and evolving offering coming through to Tasmania to make the tourism sector even stronger and more sustainable. And that is the challenge, isn't it, making things. People are, and I'm trying to think of a nice word now, like the new age culture is everything's got to be quick and easy and, you know, it's digested in a few minutes and then yeah. it's on to the next trend. How do you maintain that sustainability developing new things all the time, but then keeping in the background some of the, the back end of the, the good products that are already there, keeping them relevant? Well, you start, I reckon, would be the first step. You just start doing it. And if you look at my industry, that specialist cheese industry around Australia, you know, 20 years ago when we started Bruni Island Cheese Company, I was like, you know, I, I felt like I was on my own. There was hardly anyone making small-scale artisan cheese. There wasn't anyone really pushing the boundaries in Australia and particularly in Tasmania. Now you look at it, I'm like one of the old guys at the industry and there's like 30, 40, 50 small artisan cheese producers. That's happened in two decades. And so I think showing that leadership would inspire others to start, making it a little bit easier for them to start and to be sustainable would help. And then that it, it becomes self-perpetuating. And from a brand Tasmania perspective, obviously such an amazing job has been done with making Tasmania a brand and a destination of choice. How do you maintain that sustainability into the future, given the, the health challenges that we're no doubt going to have over the course of mm -hmm. future, you know, future years to come? Mm. Some of the really exciting work that we're doing with brand Tasmania in the near future is around working a lot more closely with our community. How can they, how can, you know, mums and dads, people in, in towns and, and streets around Tasmania, how can they benefit from our work? How can they use our work? You know, showcasing our great food and produce and wines and whiskies, that's easy. You know, that's low-hanging fruit. A lot of the work that we've been doing in the last year or so has actually been working with government 
and different government departments and making sure that um, good decision-making is being done through that lens of what is best for the Tasmanian brand. And But we're now starting to turn our attention more to the community side of things, and that's I'm so excited by that. Well, look, thank you so much for joining us today, Nick. It's been a pleasure to pick your brain a little bit. What, from a Bruni Island perspective, can we look forward to? Any other innovative products from you in particular? Yeah, we've done a lot of work on our farm. So we've got a, a small-scale organic dairy farm in Glen Hewen. And over COVID, we've we've done a lot of work developing that. And in fact, we're, we're doing all the things that we've just been talking about. We're about to open an agritourism side of that business and welcome people for farm tours. We're about to open a, a little farm shop there, you know, and uh, hopefully hold some good events there in the next year or so. So keep an eye out for that. And it is amazing how many people must literally live in the city and not have experienced a farm before from the fact that all of these on-farm stay experiences are popping up. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we're so excited by the idea of opening our front gates and welcoming people because we're we're deeply proud of the work that we do on that farm. You know, Richard and Karen, our farm managers, do such an amazing job and they came from England for that job. And one of the reasons that they came was because they really wanted an opportunity, allow people to walk around on their farm, to experience what we have created and, and what we do, to understand and connect with where their food comes from, to just to see what a dairy farm is or could be or should be, you know, is is something that we can't wait to offer. And it's really amazing because I'm a, a child of a, a f- um my pop was a dairy farmer and I remember yeah. going and drinking the milk straight out of the vat, you know, raw milk. And yeah. know, that's just, am I a lucky person to have had that experience? You are lucky. <laughs> and look, you're still here. Yes, I'm still alive <laughs> to tell the story. Yeah. But obviously that's a passion of yours as well. Yeah, you bet. Look, I mean, I would love, I'd so deeply love Tasmania to be the place where we first make soft raw milk cheeses in Australia. I want Tasmania to be the place where... You know, you can supply your neighbours and local community from your dairy farm with a couple of litres of unpasteurised milk. Now, you know, there are some management issues around that, but they're not insurmountable. And these are not crazy ideas, Rachel. These happen everywhere. You know, New Zealand operates under the same regulatory framework as Australia under the Food Standards Australia and New Zealand. And yet they interpret those regulations differently and allow that to happen because they prioritise the development of their local food culture. So no politics for you then, Nick? Hell no. (laughs) You're just going to make some changes behind the scenes to to initiate change? I'm going to try. You're going to try. All the best. I'm sure if it's anything like any of your other ventures, you'll succeed. Nick Haddo joining us there, of course, the chairman of the board of Brand Tasmania and the Bruni Island Cheese and Beer Company. If you've enjoyed this Talking Tourism podcast, please make sure you tune in to upcoming podcasts in the series and you can get all of the details on the Tourism Industry Council of Tasmania's website. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to Talking Tourism, brought to you by Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. For show notes, other materials and episodes, head to tict.com.au. Be sure to come back every fortnight for a new instalment of Talking Tourism.